business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money move. You can't see me. My time is now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host. This is the Your Four segment, and I'm joined by co-host... Caleb Dot Figert. Oh man, what's up? It's a privilege to be here, man. Man, it's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, I am changing your middle name to Dot. Uh, <laughs> so we are now, it is now Caleb Dot Figert. All right. Uh, just so when people try and find you on Instagram, they don't fuck it up. Yeah, exactly, man. And it's uh, beautiful because I was going to say, guys, um, thank you for these questions straight up. Ah, uh, mate, wait till we get stuck in. We got, we got, we got, uh, actually, I think this, the first question is actually the longest question in your four podcast history. And not that we have a big history just yet, but we will. Uh, and this is probably going to be in the rotating top five of longest questions ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so guys, buckle up because you're in for one hell of a ride. But Caleb, real quick, before we get into the four questions, I have a question for you. So it's going to be your five today. Okay. Yep. Yep. How do you feel about coriander? Uh, <laughs> puts me out here. Okay. Well, look, I'm going to stir up and ruffle some feathers here, guys. Yeah, you really uh, are. I am. I'm impartial, man. <laughs> no one's impartial <laughs> to coriander. We were just talking off camera. I was having a, I was throwing down my, um, one of my meals, Mexican inspired chicken salad just before we, uh, we, we, uh, hopped into this podcast and I usually add coriander and, um, Christian, who's our video editor, who also is our podcast editor, asked me how the chicken and salad was and I said it's shit because I forgot coriander <laughs> and then Caleb's like eh take it or leave it I was yeah. like nobody has taken or leave it with coriander you're either a coriander enthusiast or you hate coriander there's no middle uh, ground what can I say man just I love life dude <laughs> <laughs> you're the only person I've met who's impartial to coriander uh anyway guys um if you have a question before we get stuck into these four questions, and they are epic, and I do want to get stuck in, but if you have a question, um, the one thing that I want to remind you guys, there's a couple of things actually. The first thing is that all of these questions are anonymous. So we never tell you guys who the question's coming from. Uh, you know, uh, so if, if you're if you have a question and you're kind of like, eh, I don't want to ask the guys because I don't want them to mention me. In the podcast, maybe the question's a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe it makes you a little bit vulnerable. Maybe, um, you know, you're worried about it being publicly acknowledged as being you asking the question. We will never let the audience know who asked the question. They're completely anonymous. So take that fear or concern and put it aside. The second thing is if you're sitting on the fence about asking a question, ask the question. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, so many of the, and the reason, the reason why this podcast is, is so popular is because so many of these questions resonate with so many people, oh, right? Yeah. You guys know, you listen to the show and you're hearing these questions and you're like, oh fuck, I'm in exactly the same situation. I'm really interested to hear what the guys have to say. So if you're sitting on a question and you've been doing, you've been sitting on the question for a little bit now, ask the question. Caleb, how does the how do the listeners ask questions? Uh, well, simply they can just message me at Caleb dot Figert uh, on Instagram. I'll even spell that for you guys: uh, C A L E B dot F I E G E R T. Um, I'm also opening uh, open to you guys hitting me up on Facebook as well. Feel free to add me on Facebook, Caleb Figert, uh, and hit me up on Messenger there. Um, and if you know Joseph and you don't feel like hitting me up as well, you can message Joseph, but you know he's going to screenshot those. He sends them to me anyway. So Yeah, but however you guys want to send them across, if you're sitting on a question, don't sit on it, send it through, and you don't have to be worried about uh, you know us letting people know that you asked the question, completely anonymous. Also, something I've noticed, you know, all these questions, they've all come from different people, which is awesome. So yeah. thank you for every single one of you who's asked those questions. But, you know, if you're a repeat person, there's no, there's no error in asking another question. We're more than happy to answer it. Caleb, we have four questions. We do. Let's dive right in. All right, question number one. I'm currently feeling incredibly torn about a new opportunity I've been presented with. At the start of this year, I was promoted to marketing manager at my current employer. I've now been offered a new opportunity with a different company and I'm not sure if I should take it or not. For context, I have a few issues that I'm facing with my current employer. 
My moral compass is in a totally opposite direction to my boss. Until my promotion earlier this year, I was on very average wage and didn't feel overly appreciated. And the lies told to internal and external parties really concern me. I've been taking a huge amount of inspo from yourself and a few other virtual mentors, and I've decided to take action by advocating myself as a culture cultivator to help assist in doing a few things to lift the spirit of my colleagues. In addition, I've made a huge promise to myself to call out unnecessary complainers and negativity and do work to fix or assist their problems where I can. When I received the offer with a new company, I felt so appreciated. I know people who work there and I have heard great things. They've assured me I'll have all the tools I need. I feel like I'm betraying my colleagues if I leave my current job. I've built such a fantastic connection with my team, but there are people resigning left, right and center. I would say morale is very low. My problem is that I feel crazy stretched in my current role. I have moral indifferences and don't feel enabled by my boss. It feels almost like Stockholm Syndrome. What do you advise I do? Take the new opportunity. Good. Is the short answer. Amen, yeah, 100%, man. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, very, it's a very easy answer for me. Um, and whoever asked this question, thank you for, for providing such good context because the more background info you can provide, the better answers we can provide. You got to move on. And the reason why you have to move on is the value misalignment with your current employer is a big problem. And it's a problem that's not going to go away. I think based on the information that you've given, your higher order core values are probably related to benevolence and universalism, right? Which is why there's there's kind of the, the guilt. There's guilt coming through here. Oh, there it's is. like, you know, I don't want to kind of jump ship. I don't want to leave my team behind. Um, but at the same time, there's people jumping ship left, right and center, resigning and so on and so forth. But I think that's probably why you feel like you're falling into this um, quote-unquote fix-it role. You know, you're trying to fix the company culture. You're trying to fix the morale. You're trying to fix um, the the core value misalignment with your boss. It's fixing this and fixing that. And, you know, and, and it's not a bad thing at all, right? Because that aligns with the higher order core values of the person asking this question. The issue is company culture always follows the leader. Yeah. Always. Always. So if you're battling against a leader who uh, you are in a core value misalignment with, that's not going to change. And you can do all of the work you want on the company culture, on supporting your staff, on uh, calling out, um, as you put it, kind of the negativity and the the complainers and all of that. You can do that until you're fucking crying. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. The problem is you're always going to come up against this value misalignment with your boss. Uh, and if your boss is the owner or whoever sits above the boss, because I can tell that that the way that the company is structured, the culture follows the leader. So you need to look at the leaders and it, it comes from a top-down situation. So your frustration around that is only going to get worse if you're not already experiencing resentment towards your boss, towards the leaders of the company, it will develop into resentment and you're just going to be banging your head up against the fucking wall and you're going to get to a point where you said, shit the bed, I should have taken that opportunity when oh, I was yeah. there. I didn't take the opportunity because I, I kind of pigeonholed myself into this fix-it role where I was trying to fix a company that wasn't my company I should have taken the opportunity and then you're going to kick yourself. So my advice is to take the opportunity. Yeah, look, <clears throat> the thing, one thing I would say straight away from this thing is, you know, you're doing it to fix it, to, to make it about like you're doing something better for the company. But my honest approach to this and response is it's not about the company, it's about yourself. Really, you want to make things better for you. Is it about the company? Is it about yourself? Now, <clears throat> I've, I've dived deep into this question, man. And I can, you know, see this person. He's been dealt injustice. You know, you can hear that in this question. But as you mentioned, there's mercy in this moment for this person. There is an opportunity that he can move into that really is just as simple as saying, yep, all right, time for me to move on. Um, but my kind of question is, why can't he receive that? mercy, you know, what's stopping this person? So I dive deep into this and I look at it and I go back to this moral compass. 
This moral compass, you know, is actually what's holding him back from moving into his role. See, you can have completely different moral compasses with people and get along. As soon as you allow that to make up your mind about somebody, you actually put yourself into like a place or a prison. Like you and I, we have different moral compasses, but don't we get along? A hundred percent, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, it, it's it's evident. Like I'm going to be open and vulnerable about this. You know, if you're an avid listener to this podcast, there's probably a bit of difference between Joseph and I that you'll pick up on. That's why we yin and yang yeah. so well, Caleb. <laughs> and, and, I'll, and, and I'll be real and I'll be open with my moral compasses. Uh, and like for me, for example, you can hear it in my language. I haven't. I don't use explicit language in this podcast. Not I at do. all. And you do. And there's not. And and you I know, use enough for both of us. See. And my moral compass is that you know I don't 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 like that. It's just not me. Not my desire. But that doesn't change my view on Joseph. And I think that's really important. See, because these last past few weeks, I've been going through something each and every morning. I wake up and I go, nobody owes me anything, and I know nothing but to love them in return. And I think it's a really good place to go because then that stops these, you know, these issues and these conflicts over something that really is just about ourself in the beginning. And see, when we do that, as soon as we, you know, if I allowed that moral compass to get in the way, I would start placing expectations over you. I'd start being like, oh, no, Joe should be doing this because this is what I think is better. We actually now say that, you know, my ways are better than your ways. And that actually puts us again in a place of imprisonment. See... When we do that, we avoid that issue that we made it about ourselves. And when we avoid that issue, we then start taking on responsibilities. We actually start trying to fix things. Going here, doing this, taking on more responsibilities because we're actually denying the issue that it's got to do with ourselves in the first place. And why do we do that? Because we take on those responsibilities because we seek the approval of others. Oh, you know, I've noticed that other people are struggling, so I'm going to help them out. So they're going to justify that my moral compass is greater than the other person's moral compass. It all just comes back to ourself, 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 ourself. When you live with that mentality, you think you've earned more than what others deserve. And I've learned recently, if we truly earn what we truly earn, none of us would be living on the face of this planet, which is really interesting. So yeah, you feel crazy stretched because you've taken on responsibility that you were never supposed to have taken on in the first place. It wasn't your responsibility. If you ever try to fix something, I love this analogy of like trying to fix something that's been broken, right? It's shattered. You pick it up. As soon as you pick it up, you hurt yourself, you cut yourself, you drop it, you actually end up damaging the other people in the process. And Stockholm Syndrome, it's interesting that he says he feels like he's in Stockholm Syndrome. See, for anyone who doesn't know who Stockholm Syndrome is, it's a coping mechanism to a captive or an abusive situation. The truth is, you've you're your own captive. You're your own prisoner. You're your own enemy. And it really is true that sometimes the greatest enemy is ourself. So yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you know, when when you uh, opened your answer to this question and you said, and we're both in agreement in that this person needs to move on, right? That's the that's the short answer to the question. It's time to move. It's time to take that new opportunity. But when you opened your answer, Caleb, it sounded rather selfish, right? It was kind of like you got to put yourself first. You don't owe the company anything. You don't owe the employees anything. And it's about you. And my kind of initial response, and I'm sure the listeners kind of got this as well, was like, oh, that sounds very selfish. But it's actually more selfish to stay in the current position and do what you're doing and pigeonhole yourself into this Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It role because what you're actually doing there is seeking other people's approval. And that's actually more selfish than putting yourself first and your career first and moving onto a company that better aligns with your moral compass and your higher order core values. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's not that we, the company, the company, like the people don't owe us anything, man. Um, and we live that mentality, you know, someone doesn't owe me my approval. They don't owe me a disapproval. We can live in that. You can, you can live in freedom. Which is, which is a wonderful place to be. So when you get an opportunity to move forward, there is no guilt. There is no shame. Mm. You came in there, you gave them your best every single day, regardless of how they treated you. And when it was your time to move on, you move on. Well said. Question two. I used to go to the gym every day, Monday to Friday without fail. 
Then an injury late last year stopped me going. I'm fully healed now, but I haven't been to the gym for about six months. What's your input on getting back into the gym again? Consistency is key, <laughs> but it works in both directions, right? And this is, a, this is a great example because everyone knows that quote, right? Consistency, consistency. What's the most important thing on your health and fitness journey? Consistency. What's the most important thing with personal development? Consistency. Absolutely. But consistency with the right things. The fact that this person was in the habit and the routine of going to the gym, living the fitness lifestyle, then this injuries happened, right? And that injury was the catalyst for the consistent habits and routines that supported the health and fitness lifestyle to be replaced with habits and routines that didn't, right? So it's gone from good consistency with good habits and routines to bad consistency with bad habits and routines. And this person, instead of, I don't know if they train in the morning or the evening, whatever it is, but let's say they train in the evening, right? So the habits and the routines would have been around pre-workout meal at five o'clock, just to throw some numbers out, pre-workout supplementation, hit the gym by six, get a workout in, get home, healthy post-workout meal, get a good night's rest. Has probably now been replaced with Hit a glass of wine or a beer at 5 p.m. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Sit Slippy on the slope. couch, watch some Netflix yeah. and chill. Like, you know how it happens, yep. right? And yeah. no judgment at no, all, at all. No, right? No, no, because all. An, an injury that's taken six months to get uh, healed up was probably a pretty serious injury. Oh, yeah. It's probably torn a bicep or a pec or, you know, one of those things that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. But what needs to happen now is those habits and routines that have been developed and you've got consistency around that don't support health and fitness now need to slowly be replaced by habits and routines that do support health and fitness. How do you do that? How do you habit swap? How do you routine swap? You do it by habit stacking. You habit stack by starting with very small new habits and routines. You master those you add another layer on top, you master those, you add another layer on top and you have it stack until you've built a new set of habits and routines that has replaced the old set of habits and routines that don't align with what you're trying to achieve. So I think a big mistake that, that people make first and foremost that I see all the time when they've had a significant amount of period away from the gym, right? Maybe it's six months, maybe it's 12 months, for whatever reason, injury, um, had, a, had a family, um, got really busy at work, like whatever, it doesn't matter. You, 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 you've fallen out of the right consistency with habits and routines. One of the big mistakes I see people making is they try and go straight back to where they left off. Right. So this person was training uh, five days a week, Monday to Friday. If you try to go back from not training at all to training five days a week, Monday to Friday, right away, it's not going to work because it's, it's, there's no habit stacking there. It's too big a jump. It's too big a change to the current habits and routines that you've developed while you've been recovering from your injury. And it's going to be very abrasive, which means you're going to have a really hard time. So it might be, you know what, for the first week, I'm going to go to the gym Monday and Wednesday. Let me master that. Let me do that for the first three weeks. Once I've mastered that, let me go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That might last two weeks. Once I've mastered that, okay, let's go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And then two weeks later, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you slowly build up, right? And that's just not about going to the gym. That's about what you do in the gym as well, right? If you were training for 90 minutes before you did the injury, don't go back and train for 90 minutes right away. Go back and train for 30 minutes, right? Then the next week, 40 minutes. Then the next week, 50 minutes, right? It's all about these little baby steps that allow you to start really small, get some wins on the board, build forward momentum, and start stacking those habits on top of each yeah. other. Yeah, no, no, beautiful, man. Um, I have like a bit, a bit of experience with this. Not so much. From I think, the injury, I think we, I think but. we all have at some point, right? Like we, we all have had like an injury or a life event or for whatever reason, right? Those of us who live the health and fitness lifestyle, more often than not, we've had a period of time where it's kind of been pushed to the back. It's been put on the back burner because we've had other shit to deal with. Yeah. So 100%. we've all been through this, like. 
for me, probably the biggest impact was the lockdown when the gyms all closed. And so that was probably about, what, three months or so where we couldn't really lift our proper weight unless you were privileged enough to have your own home gym. And so that meant when I got back into the gym, I had to really consider what I was going to do. I was like, just before lockdown, hitting PRs, left, right, center, you know. Um, and now I had to leave that ego at home, go into the gym, and as you mentioned, start gradually building up again. What was my warm-up weight was now my working weight. 100 kilo bench press down to 60 kilos. So, you know, the same thing with, with everything else. But <clears throat> you can find joy in that, you know. This is an opportunity to build an even stronger foundation than what you first had. Um, and it's a chance for you to refine your form. Uh, and it's a chance to find the joys in doing the basics all over again, but now executing them even greater, knowing what you knew before. I think that's really cool. Um, it's, yeah, just a chance to do things better than what you did before. Yeah, reframe um, it. And, and the way, obviously, when I was in lockdown as well, you know, I didn't, I didn't stop my health and fitness journey. I went and I did running and things like that as well. Um, so it's a chance, you know, if you had any time off, you know, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt in the six months that, you know, maybe he considered other ways that he could still live the health and fitness lifestyle. Um, you know, you may find that you can adapt those into what you were previously doing. Um, but I think it's also really important that, you know, as you build that solid foundation, that when you start to build back up again, I look at it like an airplane analogy, right? As you said, you know, you, your wheels are in motion, you're going on flat for a while, but then you start to lift up, then you're going into the sky, then you're at this high point. But the difference here is, and where I think a risk of injury is, is you keep staying at that high point for too long. You can't stay at that altitude for too long. You got to come back down, get grounded again before you can fly and take off. So I think if you have had that time, you build that foundation uh, and you don't try to rush things too fast, that you've got a better chance of pushing forward now and hopefully preventing yourself from an injury in the future as well. Yeah, that's a good point. It's funny um, that you mentioned the lockdown because I just remembered uh, that you uh, that during that time we wrote an article on oh, yeah. the massivejoes.com website about getting back into training that was specifically <laughs> for people who didn't train or were, you know didn't have the opportunity to train during covid um and that re that article really answers this question probably better well a lot of the things that we've said already but then goes more in depth um so I suggest that you go and read that article. Yeah, Best absolutely. way to get to it, just Google uh, getting back into training Massive Joes and it'll be the first thing that comes up on Google. It's a short read. I think it's like five or six minute read, but it's got, you know, this is how to get back into training after a significant period of time off. Yeah, brilliant. Third question. All right. How would you balance managing down and managing up? Managing down to improve and empower staff without taking over? managing up to increase influence and value without overstepping your station. For context, I'm in a general manager role and I want more influence with executives and also want my managers below to flourish and challenge me without fear. Focus on what you have referred to as managing down. I don't really like that term because it, it, it implies hierarchy. Um, but just to use the language that has been used in the question, uh, you want to focus on managing down, meaning you want to focus on being the best possible leader you can be to your staff members. How do you do that? There's a couple of things. The first thing is you need to get out of the mindset, and I can tell that this is the mindset the person is in by the way they've asked this question and the, the language that they've used. You need to get out of the mindset of I'm your boss or I'm your manager or I'm your leader. You work for me. And you need to get into the mindset of I'm your boss. I'm your manager. I'm your leader. I work for you. Yeah. Because I that's the that. truth. Right. Yeah, it is. And that's 100%, man. That's the foundation of servant leadership. Yeah. And if you're serious about improving and empowering your staff without micromanaging, without taking over, if you're serious about wanting your staff to flourish and to be able to have vulnerable conversations with you without fear, you have to become a servant leader. Yep. It's 100%. the only way. That is leadership in a, in a nutshell, to be honest, man. Yeah. Um, 
in order to increase influence, you need to understand leadership better. And leadership is influence, not a title. Mm. I think is really important. Um, and I want to break this down into what's known as the three triangles of leadership. Have you ever heard of heard of this before? Of course. Yeah, so we've got the one triangle, which is the triangle where you've got the triangle at the point, you know, and the two bases. See, this is a, a triangle that the leader, you know, is on the top, but also you've got two other people climbing to the top. So everyone's actually coming for that person in that position. So if you have that kind of leader and you see yourself as a hierarchy, then you see others below you as always trying to take your position. And there's a chance also that you've got that kind of environment and culture as well where your team members are, are gunning for your position too. You know, you're not going to flourish in that environment. Um, then there's the triangle where everyone relies on the leader to lift them up. So it's the upside down triangle. And so this is the triangle there where the leader's actually trying to hold up their whole team, you know, like um, the whole team revolves around what the leader does and if the team falls, well, the team's going to fall on top of the leader and everything's going to crush and buckle underneath. Then there's the triangle that goes forward, which is interesting. When you draw a triangle that goes forward, it actually just looks like a line, a straight line, which says that everyone is equal. And now what I mean by everyone is equal, right? You know, leadership is not your title. It's your influence. It's a position of influence. So if you want to create that culture that promotes equality, equality, sorry, uh, you create the culture that promotes equality in the sense that no one is less or more important than the other. You know, this is the culture that we have here. Not one of our, you know, we're not less or more important than the other, but we acknowledge that each of us has different levels of influence. You know, it's not about titles either, you know, because our title, it's not our identity. Our title doesn't define who we are. You know what I mean? Like I don't call you CEO, Joe. <laughs> I don't go, hey, business development manager, Vince. You know hey, what boss. I mean? You, you know what I mean? Um, and then how do you kind of action that out? Well, you lead by example through those actions, you know, another leader and, and true leadership is leading through, through your actions and your words and your word is your word. So your yes is your yes, your no is your no, and you lead by that example. You follow through your words with your actions. So if you can create that kind of environment, people will flourish and they will have the courage to challenge you because they will see themselves as equal, but they will still acknowledge that you have a greater level of influence. Good. Practical and strategic advice, because I really want to get down to the nitty gritty of like, okay, that's all nice and shit and it all makes sense and it's wonderful and it's motivating. How <laughs> do I actually do it? Right? So this, these, the, these are some bits and pieces of what we actually do in this business uh, that helps create this culture of servant leadership. So every month, um, I have a management meeting um, with each of my managers. So if you consider this situation where like uh, I'm the GM, right? I'm this person in this situation and I've got my staff underneath me who then have staff underneath them. So I have a management meeting with each of my staff members and it's a little KPI review. Um, you know, how are you tracking against your KPIs? Where's your performance at? Um, you know, and a whole bunch of different metric-based check-ins. Then... There's a dedicated period in our meeting where I ask the question, what do you need me personally to assist with? What can I do for you to help you perform better at your job? There's then another dedicated period of time where the question is asked, what do you need from other areas of the business that I can help you with? Right. So then this might be this person in this GM situation who has the executives above. Is there anything I can speak to the executives about that's going to help you in your role perform better or uh, feel more fulfillment or more happiness or whatever it is? Right. Then there's a period. How can I help you achieve your personal goals outside of? the business, outside of your KPIs, outside of your role as business development manager or retail operations manager or whatever the role is, what are you trying to do in your personal life? Is there anything I can do to help you out with that? And then there's a period, and this is really where uh, it's about the challenging without fear. There's a period where the question is asked, what would you like to see me doing more of? Right? What would you like to see me doing that's going to help you perform better in your role? So all of these questions and all of this time that's set aside to have these conversations is about how do I become 
a better servant leader to you. Yeah. Then when it comes to the uh, part of the question, where is it? I've lost it. Uh, Improving and empowering staff without taking over. So I guess from a theory perspective, this is about not micromanaging your staff for fear of them making mistakes, for fear of them falling. You have to let your staff fall because if you don't let them fall and you're always there with a safety net to catch them before they fall, they're not going to have the opportunity to make mistakes and they're therefore not going to have the opportunity to learn from those mistakes. So you're not empowering them at all. You're teaching them, I will be here, and this is the upside down triangle, right? I will be here to catch you when you fall which is not, it's, not a, it's not a position where you're empowering them. It's not a position where you can delegate more and more responsibility to them. It's not a position that's going to lead to them feeling more fulfillment in their job. It's not a position that's going to lead them to more career progression because they're not going to be able to develop the skills. They're not going to be able to take on the responsibility and they're going to be stuck with you micromanaging them because that's the situation you've set up. So really, really important that you give your staff the opportunity to fall, pick up the pieces, learn the lessons, and figure shit out. Also, also really important when it comes to empowering, and this, I guess this is part of allowing them to fall as well, that you take time to provide positive feedback. You know, you did this really well. I've noticed right? This didn't, didn't fall on deaf ears, right? This wasn't ignored. You did a really fucking good job with this. And I need to let you know that you did a really good job, right? Positive feedback. On the other hand, you have to not shy away from giving constructive criticism. So if you have a staff member that dropped the ball on something, you can't sweep it under the carpet. You got to say, Caleb, you did a really good job over here, but listen, man, I got to call a spade a spade. You're falling behind here. We need to, we need to fix this. What do you need me to do to help you fix this? Right? Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. We've said that so many yeah, times yeah, in this we show. Have, yeah. But it's, it's, it's having the courage to have the uncomfortable conversation when it comes to providing constructive criticism to your staff members because it's part of ensuring that they're not afraid to fall. You're letting them know when they're falling and they have the opportunity to learn from those mistakes. Yeah, and I think it's good you, you ask them like what, can, you know, what do you need me to do here? Yeah. Because you give them the opportunity to come up with the answer. You know, you're never telling someone what it is you need to do. You're helping them come to that acknowledgement themselves. And that's where they grow and they flourish in those very moments. Caleb, I do it all the time. I know what the answer is, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Yeah. I want you to figure, figure it, it out, out yourself. Yeah. Right. And if it takes an extra week or it takes an extra month or it's a long drawn out process, to me, the return on that time investment is worth it because you're developing the skills to be able to go to the next level. One more thing I want to add, right? Because I just put myself in the GM role. Now I'm going to put myself in the executive role. And let's say that. Uh, Leah or Vince or John or, you know, one of our managers here who has staff underneath them is trying to get more influence with me, right? Because this is the part of the question where the person's talking about managing up, right? They want more influence with the executives. The best way to get me to stop and take notice is to get results. Simple as that. Actions speak louder than words. If Vince is doing a really good job as business development manager and managing his staff and his results. He's, he's knocking it out of the park. I'm going to sit up and take notice. And you're going to have a lot of influence over me. If Leah and her retail team, she manages, I don't know, 15 people in the retail team, 20 people in the retail team. If our retail store network is knocking it out of the park, I'm going to sit up and take notice. And she's going to have a lot of influence over me. Right? Same with John in the warehouse, same with any manager 
right? Who's in the in this the framing of this question in that GM role who wants more influence over me as an executive? The best way to get it is to knock it out the park with your results. Actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. Last question. Last question. Here we are. So many damn. You listen, I know. I got two. You brought bloody four pages of answers in here, Gallus. All right. <laughs> I'm sincerely blown away by your maturity, as you seem quite young. Hmm. What books, authors, role models, movies enlighten you the most? And what would you recommend to a younger person starting out? Was this question directed at you or me? Uh, we both. We both. <laughs> look, we both look very young. You know. We always get um, uh, comments about like how young we both are, and people always underestimate our age. hundred percent. All the time. So it could be. It could be directed <laughs> could be at both e- of e- us, e- right? Us. So we're both going to answer this question. Um, I'll start by saying that I'm not that young. A lot of people think I'm a lot younger than I am, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, I'm 36, right? So a lot of people kind of put me at like, some people even put me at late 20s, early 30s, but I'm 36. Um, But I did start my, well, both my business and my competitive fitness journey very young, right? So on focus on the business side. So I started it at 19, right? I was 19 years old grassroots, I'd probably started even earlier than that. But the business we know now as Massive Joe's, TMJ Apparel, everything that that you guys are familiar with what I do professionally, I started at 19. So to have 17 years of business experience at 36 is pretty young, regardless yeah, yeah. of how old I look and how old you think I am. <laughs> um, you know, most, most of my colleagues who are at a similar professional uh, progression level as myself are 10 years plus older than me. Um, So I will kind of take that. I seem quite young and we'll roll with that. Yeah. Um, I think to get to the second part of the question, when I was younger, when I first started out, you know, 19, 20, early 20s, late teens, early 20s, um, my, some of the things that influenced me the most, there were two books. The first one was Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. The second one was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Those were two of the first books that I ever read that weren't like school related or university related from cover to cover. And they influenced me immensely. Losing My Virginity in terms of business, particularly, and and confidence and uh, just instilling that anything is possible. Like Richard Branson's story is unbelievable. Um, If you guys are not familiar with it, definitely go read Losing My Virginity or find a documentary online if you don't want to read, you want to watch. Um, But his story from grassroots to what he's been able to do with Virgin is unbelievable. Uh, And Rich Dad, Poor Dad from a financial perspective more than anything was was just, you know, gave me the the, uh, knowledge and the inspiration to know that you know, I can achieve anything financially I want to achieve as well. I think my mentors at a young age, Richard Branson, obviously, um, just on the back of that, Steve Jobs, you know, the late Steve Jobs, um, CEO of Apple, CEO of Pixar. uh, Steve's done so many things, um, but most people would know him as the founder and CEO of Apple, uh, was a huge mentor for me when I was young. Once again, incredible story. Started Apple with Steve Wozniak in the back of the garage, making do-it-yourself computer kits and ended up with what is now the biggest company in the world. Um, And then I guess on my fitness journey, but also business as well, was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely there when when I was younger. As I've kind of gotten older, and it's funny because I had, I actually had this conversation with my wife um, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about, you know, as we go through different experiences in life, different things resonate with us. And, um, you know, life's journey uh, looks different for, for each, each one of us. But as I've gotten older, and to be completely honest, as I've gone through some really, really difficult shit, my inspirations have kind of changed. And now what what really kind of inspires me and, and enlightens me. Um, stoicism is huge for me. Um, the stoic philosophy uh, has been 
such a huge part of my life over the, the last five years, let's say, um, and has really allowed me uh, to, to uh, figure out how to deal with emotions, um, which, you know, as you're younger, you kind of, you know, it's all sunshine and rainbows, you know, <laughs> for the most part. Some of us go through some really heavy shit when, when we're younger, but definitely as you have more life experience, you have more shit that happens, right? So stoicism for me has been huge. Um, in terms of authors, books, Ryan Holiday, um, who writes a bunch of, you know, ego is the enemy, stillness is the key, um, the daily stoic. He is like the worldwide authority on stoic philosophy at this point in time. Um, Brene Brown, I mentioned Brene in past episodes, um, you know, dare to lead, gifts of imperfection. Um, Brene is an incredible author. Um, Simon Sinek as well. Um, from a business perspective, has really been quite inspirational to me in terms of, you know, creating culture, um, why company culture is important, um, how to create company culture and those sorts of things. And then from a marketing perspective, probably Seth Godin. Okay. Yep. You know, I've shared a bunch of you Seth have. things with yeah, you in you, the past. Yeah, um, absolutely. Seth, you know, is a, I mean, all these people you guys can Google and see their, you know, their books and their work and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's, Kind of a very long answer to a very short question. Yeah, I was going to say, like, not even, not even I'll have that long answer. But What um, about you, Caleb? Look, look, man, um, when it comes to books, man, I, I'm, I've, I'm convicted to speak in truth yep. from, from what I believe. So I don't hide this truth either. Mm. Everyone knows I'm Christian. Mm. Um, so, so when it comes to me, if anyone was like, what's the book that influenced you the most? It's the Holy Bible. Of course. Me. You know, it's, uh, it's my daily bread, the book of life, as, yep. as we call it. So... And, you know, I'm always going to answer that question, whether it's in public, private, or even on a, on a pod podcast like this. You can tell as well. Like if you guys, if you guys didn't know that Caleb <laughs> is, you know, very heavily in influenced by um, Christianity, if you go back and listen to episodes, you'll see it's a common thread in a lot of his answers. Yeah. Um, which is beautiful, you know. It's, it's great. It, it's the life that I've uh, dedicated to live, you know, and I won't deny that. It says if you deny him in front of others, he will deny you in front of his father. And so that, that conviction holds me, man. Mm. Um, you know, someone who laid down his life for me so that I could live with him for eternity, I'll, I'll do anything. Um, but getting into some books that, you know, two, two books that I'd recommend are actually both books that you gifted me. Oh. Yeah. Good. Um, so the first one that I'd recommend for someone who's young and starting out, and man, I wish I read this when I was younger and starting out. I was thinking about it on the drive here. Mm. Like I actually wish, oh, if I could, even in primary school, because I was uh, quite, as, as this person says, you seem quite mature, like mature for your age. It's true. That maturity has just been something I was gifted with, I guess. When I was six years old, I was having a conversation with adults. It's it's usually not what you get from a six-year-old. It's just maturity came to me quite young and I just ran with it. Um, and so, yeah, Mindset would have been a wonderful book to have read from that young age to, to know that, you know, skills and talents isn't just something that is natural, but something that's also built up into us. 100%. Because I look at my life and I started off quite high, a high achiever, but... I gave myself a bit of a fixed mindset. And when I got to the points where I thought I don't need to work on that anymore because I'm already naturally gifted, I actually started to feel quite discouraged when I all of a sudden got to a higher level in life and wasn't going past where I was because I was relying on this natural gifting rather than realizing that it's actually about what you, the skills that you learn and so forth. And then also just the encouragement because I think a lot of people are still are afraid to fail. And with the book Mindset, it shows us that failure is just something that we grow from and learn from 100%. and that we, you know, flourish in. So that it's, would be, it's, yeah. It's, uh, the book, for, for those of you who are interested, the book is called Mindset. Mindset. Yeah. It's by Dr. Carol Dweck. Um, and it is a book that I really enjoy gifting <laughs> to people. Like I don't, I don't go and fucking when you, when you, when you uh, join Team Massive Joe's, here's your book. It yeah. doesn't happen like that. <laughs> those, you know, those of us here who are interested in reading and who take an interest in reading, uh, you know, I'll often ask, "What are you reading? Where are you at?" So on and so forth. And then occasionally I'll gift a copy of Mindset if it hasn't been read yet, because it is one of those books that. You know, if you're, if you are ambitious, which everyone who listens to this show is, you wouldn't listen to it if you weren't, you'd find it boring as shit. Um, it's, it's one of those books where, you know, we, we talk about the um, mantra of you are powerful beyond measure yeah. in this podcast quite frequently. That's one of those books that's like, 
okay, you're powerful beyond measure. This is why, and this is how, and this is the mindset that you need to have. It, it, it's the, it's the, it's the authority on fixed mindset versus growth mindset. That's effectively what the book's about. And it was really cool because for me, I identified with guitar. You know what I mean? If, if anyone's uh, following my Instagram, you'll see that I'm a bit of a guitar, you know, I got some skills there. Yeah. And people go, wow, you're so talented. Man, when I picked up the guitar first, I couldn't even like put one finger on there, like playing one chord. So it's like, I know that it's not just natural talent. Yeah, You know, I, I worked very hard. I pushed through and kept going and going and going. And this segues greatly into the next book that I would recommend, which is Grit by Angela Duckworth. Yes. Because, you know having that growth mindset, knowing that it's, it's not a fixed thing that you can learn from it, you can grow from it, and that it's all about, you know, putting more in effort into what you're doing and, and learning from your failures as well, identifying, going back and saying, hey, why didn't this work? Mm, let's try this and see if this works instead, that kind of thing. But what drives that? Grit. Because there's this grit in you that doesn't want to give up as well. You know what I mean? Because failure, failure, failure pretty much says give up. But when you have a growth mindset, you realize failure is not the end point. Failure is just the point that it's time to go on and push a little bit harder. But what is that? That's grit. And that's what the book goes into and explains. And it explains where grit comes from. And I identified that it really comes from your passions as well. Like Because I was so passionate about music and because I was so determined... To, to play guitar because it meant so much to me. Like when I would play guitar, I'm like, oh, I like this. Something feels good inside of me. Something I've never experienced before. I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. But that's really cool because, you know, you know, that's awesome that I can do that for guitar. But then you can take that and then imply it into other areas of your life. You know, for fitness, for example, that's when I did a comp prep. Man, I think about the amount of grit I had to have in that comp prep, especially coming up near the end where – I'll, I'll talk it through because most people don't even know what people have to go through, you know? Like I got up four in the morning, trained an hour and a half, weight training, still going to get some steps, go on the Stairmaster, get done, finish work up, still going to get some more steps, still, still got to, you know, get that cardio in. That's a lot of grit, guys, because I know for a fact, sometimes on that Stairmaster, I think I was only seconds away from passing out. But that's grit because you want to push yourself and then you push yourself and then you go, oh, no, I can, I can push myself a little bit more. And you just keep going. You just keep going. Um, and so that's why I'd recommend that because, you know, when you can acquire that grit and you find that grit through your passion as well, then you could apply it into other areas of your life. And I think that's something so important for us as we're growing up and especially when we're younger. The, the sooner we can learn it, the greater we can become. And don't those two books just fit together perfectly as well? They do. You know, man. when you read, especially in that order, right? You read Mindset first and you have such an appreciation for, fuck, I am powerful beyond measure. I just need to commit to developing a fierce growth mindset. And then you go and read Grit and you're like, oh, these are the tools that I need yeah. to develop and, and nurture this fierce growth mindset. And it's about passion and perseverance. It's really interesting that you've mentioned those two books as well, in particular, Caleb, because I think this really ties the answer to this question together um, so, so well. You know, this, is, this question is about, and the fact that, like, from my perspective, I've been able to answer this around the things that inspired me when I was younger and then the things that inspire me now. It's about adopting the growth mindset attitude of never stop learning, Right? You're, like there's always a book that you haven't yet read that's going to unlock something. There's a person who you haven't yet met or haven't become aware of who's going to inspire you at some point in your life, right? But you have to have, you have to commit to maintaining enough humility to always remain curious to allow those sorts of things into your mind and into your life. Right. And you kind of like you mentioned when you got there back when you were kind of stuck in fixed mindset, you got to a certain point and it was like, I'm here and that's as far as I'm going to go. That's as far as I want to go. That's as far as I'm capable of going. You shut down the curiosity and you close the door to any of these new inspirations coming in. Right. So it's funny, Steve Jobs, because this is actually a Steve Jobs quote. Um, he said, stay hungry, stay foolish. And the way that I interpret that is 
the stay hungry part is never become complacent, right? Never get in that situation where you have a fixed mindset and you're like, this is as far as I can go. This is as far as I want to go. I'm comfortable here and that's it. The stay foolish part is always remain curious, right? Always stay foolish, stay curious, stay humble enough to remain curious and always be asking, you know, what's next? What's here? What's there? What's that person about? What's that book about? How can I get better over here? How can I get better over there? Because that curiosity is going to feed into the growth mindset. It's going to feed into the passion and perseverance around grit. It's going to help you continue to get better and better and better. And you are powerful beyond measure. I know, right? (laughs) There's a theme here. Caleb, thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's been an epic episode. Awesome questions. Uh, And I think uh, we did a pretty decent job answering those questions. If you think, guys, that we did a pretty decent job answering those questions, if you've enjoyed listening to the show, if you've had a laugh along with us, if you've been entertained, if it's made your drive to work go quicker, if it's made your time on the Stairmaster go quicker, (laughs) um, the one thing we ask in return is that you guys share the show. Uh, One of the best ways that we like to see the show shared is to take a screenshot right now on Spotify or iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever you're listening to, whatever platform, post that in your Instagram story. Tag Caleb, Caleb Caleb.Figit. Tag myself, Joseph Mansell with no dot. Uh, (laughs) We like to see those and we repost as many of them as we possibly can. Uh, And that's the one thing we ask in return for for, uh, the value that we provided in the show. If we have, I think we have. Caleb, thank you so much. Another great episode. Yep, pleasure, mate. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating. 